What do Harley Davidson and Peacock, the new streaming service from Comcast, have in common? Well, I'm super glad that you asked because we're going to highlight the differences and the similarities between the businesses in today's episode. In the first part of the episode, we talk about Harley Davidson, a company that is by all means an American institution, but it's a company that is not without its problems from an operating perspective in the last couple of years in particular. We're going to highlight what that means, how their business model has hampered them in the last couple of years and what they need to do going forward in order to ensure success. Let's jump in. Harley Davidson, for those of you who don't know, make amazing motorcycles. They are decorative collector's pieces. There are communities of them. One of their most famous motorcycles of all time is a Harley Davidson Sportster. And they have multiple different ranges, models, and Harley Davidson is a community. It's an experience. And because of that, Harley Davidson has done exactly what they should have done over the last number of years, which is that they have a brand presence, which drives a price premium because they are a variable cost product. So variable cost products have two choices for how they can optimize. First, they can maintain maximum price, so they have a great differential in the profitability over their cost, or they can produce at a lower cost. And of course, every business needs and wants volume, but without those two things, you can't compensate in volume what you're lacking on a per unit basis. So Harley has done an incredible job from a branding and a community perspective historically and making sure that everyone knows when you want to buy a motorcycle, the good ones are Harleys. Here's the problem. In the last couple of years, Harley has begun to recognize that their population is the baby boomer population, and they are not transitioning younger buyers sufficiently to compensate for the baby boomers that are phasing out of the market. In addition, they have launched internationally, and while they're getting good traction, about 42% of their sales were international last year, international is complicated. It's much harder from a supply chain perspective. It's much harder to sustain and to maintain. And so maybe a couple of markets are gonna really make sense for Harley overseas, but ultimately they cannot let their US market go. This aging demographic is a problem that they can't just let happen to them. And so my argument is that Harley is unfocused, undisciplined, and unclear about what they even are as a business and what they should be doing. If they have two choices, higher price premiums, they should be launching Harleys that are multiple, multiple collector items. So they're super premium Harleys that are hundreds of thousands of dollars that people will hold and collect for a long time. And why? Because when they do that, they're rebuilding the brand and building it as a elite opportunity. They need to be focusing on driving influencers. Make Harley cool again. Make sure that younger people know Harleys, ride Harleys, buy Harleys, want Harleys. How do they do that? There are all kinds of ways and brands have been doing it for hundreds of years, but it's really essential that Harley doesn't leave that behind. What has Harley done instead? They focus on launching electronic motorcycles. Okay. electronic and electric and, uh, and you know, hybrid motorcycles. What in the world, right? There, there are scooters and other things that are low emission. There are other opportunities if you want a little tut-tut vehicle. But if what you want is power and distance, electric doesn't give it to you. Electric is 120, 140 miles. That's not even a two-hour round trip to the hills. It's not anything that's going to give you that substantial Harley experience. And where are the charging stations? 
at Harley dealerships. There is one in the city that you just left, but there's nothing where you're going. So just an incomplete network and a very like incomplete thought. And what they're doing is they're trying to drive the price down and the costs, they're, they're not at scale for the production. Yes, it, it's expensive. There's challenges. So they're not really driving their costs down sufficiently. They're not maintaining the price premium. They're not maintaining the contribution margin that they need to. So my recommendation, if I were on the board at Harley, would be you need to focus on driving sales where you have lost them. Sure, go to different demographics, but focus on your current fixed cost network, which isn't huge, but focus on where your dealerships are and make Harley's cool again. Do whatever you need to do in order to figure that out. Focus on super premium products. And if possible, you can focus a little bit on optimizing production. But overall, I think that Harley is making poor strategic choices based on not really understanding what kind of business it is. And look, volume is important. International is great. But ultimately, I think there are other issues that Harley could solve by being a little bit more simplified in their strategy. In the second part of this episode, we're going to talk about a totally different business, Peacock, the new streaming service from Comcast. We're going to talk about what makes a streaming service what it is in the strategy simplified framework, whether it's a fixed or a variable cost business, and whether we think it's likely to be successful based on the baseline of how the business will work. Let's dive in. Comcast Peacock NBC streaming service. Is it a yes or a no? I'm going to break down the business cases, the business scenarios of NBC Universal and their focus on the new streaming service. And I'm going to highlight whether or not I think in strategy, it makes sense for them to go forward with this kind of streaming service. So let's first of all, walk through what the two options are for Comcast and how they would think about evaluation of this. Number one, they've got an option for syndication. So the office big name and also a bunch of small name properties that they own, historical and current. And uh, what they've decided to do is pull back some of those. If they alternately didn't do that, or if they weren't, they weren't clawing it back or they weren't getting dropped, uh, then the valuation of those would be whatever somebody was willing to pay. And as long as there's a couple of competitors that are willing to pay for it, that would be great. One of the challenges is that the competitors who are paying for those services are actually waning a little bit. So you have Prime Video and you've got Netflix, but but who else in the market might be paying for those services? So in different micro markets, you have a few others. However, there's a valuation number and it's the value of syndicating everything out to somebody else. That number is the benchmark. What they are saying by going forward with their own platform, Peacock, the streaming service, is that they believe that they can outweigh the revenue and actually, all of that revenue is pure profit compared to what they're talking about internally. They're saying that they can outweigh that by building their own platform. And here's how they do it. They have some nominal cost. They have a cost to build the tech. And God knows they should spend some money on doing it and not flub it like they have historically in the past with user experience. So it needs to be actually a decent tech build, but it's still not going to be in the grand scheme of things a huge expense. Their biggest marketing expense is going to be acquiring customers. When they're doing syndication, the customer acquisition happens out there in the market or the customer acquisition happened historically and you still have resident things that are coming back. But making sure that you've got 
great content on your platform is one part of their business that they already have to focus on. Now they also have to focus on getting customers to a specific platform. And that is going to be the biggest challenge. That marketing expense, I think, is going to eclipse what they're talking about. They're talking about at their top tier, having somebody be worth $120 a year. And so they're going to have to market so efficiently and hold somebody for such a long time, their lifetime value, their LTV of each of those customers is going to have to be so high. Um, and with streaming wars intensifying, they're going to have to have such little churn to actually make that number worth it. So in many estimates, they're giving out numbers and we need this many million people to subscribe and this is what we're expecting. And my expectation is that they're actually pushing those numbers to be really unrealistic. Um, and they are going to have to focus on so many different things, managing the different stakeholders. So one of the things that they have done on the revenue side of the internal process is they focus on both ads and customer subscriptions. And essentially what they're saying in an ad-free full catalog is that you're worth 120 bucks at the max. So an ad rate per subscriber is going to be somewhere south of 120 bucks per person. So ultimately their number for thinking about the way that they're going to break even on what they were doing with syndication is that they're going to have cost per customer, the cost of managing the tech and the cost of processing your credit card every month and then the cost of acquiring you and they're going to have to subtract that from that $120. And that net number, that value times the number of subscribers has to outweigh what the issues are inside the syndication market. Now, I'm not saying that it's a terrible idea across the board. I'm saying I think that it is unlikely that they're going to match their syndication numbers. I think that it is likely that people will churn too often. They're going to spend a lot of money to acquire them and then they're going to churn off. I think that they're going to underinvest in user experience as they have done historically. And I think that's going to result in a lower adoption rate in the first place. And I think they're going to disrupt the basic users with ads, driving down the free subscriber attention and also driving down their ad price. So I think they're going to have revenue compression. And I also think they're going to have cost escalation. That's going to result in a really big issue from a strategy perspective. If syndication really is dead, then it's the only option that they have. I'm not convinced that it is. So if I were sitting in the boardroom uh, at NBC, I'd really want to make sure that I felt like those numbers were solid rock and that there would be no risk in some of those key areas. We hope that you enjoyed thinking about the business at the fundamental business model level. Please join us for more great content like this on our podcast, Strategy Simplified, and on our YouTube channel.